you know, lately there is in Israel a whole argument, a whole fight about the justice reform. I don't know how it's called in English. They're trying to reform the Supreme Court to change the rules, to change how, how the chief justices are being elected. Mm. Like in America, they're elected by the Congress. In Israel, they're elected by a committee. They want to change it. They should also, the politician, the, the Knesset should elect them. Mm. Many other changes. And it's a whole big fight in Israel. It's a fight that threatens to tear apart the Israeli society. That's how bad it is. There is every Saturday night, there is, uh, in, there is um, demonstrations of hundreds of thousands of people. It's crazy. And that's uh, the demonstrating against the new government, against Netanyahu. And the biggest problem is everyone thinks he's right. And the other person doesn't exist. And it's even, you, there's articles in the New York Times, in the Wall Street Journal, that, like almost edit, editorial opinions about it. And as I said, in, in, in America, the last ten, five years, it's the same thing. Everybody, I'm right, and you have not one inch of the other, uh, other opinion. I don't, it's wrong, and I'm only right. I'm the only one in the world who is right. Maybe you need to take a little bit an, a different attitude to, 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 uh, to arguments because we cannot survive like this. But to show what means to understand the other person, I want to share with you a little story, a Hasidic story. Once one of the Chabad rabbis, the Tzemach Tzedek, he was called, named after his book Tzemach Tzedek, came into the synagogue, he turns to his Hasidim and says, you want to hear a story or a Hasidic discourse or a teaching? They know the rabbi usually doesn't ask this question, what you want to hear? The right way, first of all, they know a story. If he's offering a story, obviously they know the story. Who doesn't want to hear a story? Right. And they know something is fishy here, something is missing here. And he started to tell a story about an owner who owned an inn, like a motel. And somebody leased the motel from him to do business, to own it. The renter. And the the landlord lended out, lend, uh, rented out to the renter, and he was supposed to give him every year, pay him the rent. One year he comes, I don't have money. Things went bad. I have a big family. I just don't have money to give him. Okay, he's waiting. Another year, the second year, he doesn't have money. He doesn't pay him. He go, the landlord goes to the rabbi, to his rabbi. Whoever this rabbi, rabbi was, and he asked him, rabbi, what should I do? His rabbi doesn't listen. There's a Jew. He has a big family, he doesn't have money. Evrachmon Asanem, give him another year, okay? By the end of the third year, he goes back to his rabbi. The guy doesn't have money again. He goes back to his rabbi, the rabbi doesn't. You're going to throw out a family with children? Are you crazy? <laughs> Keep him. Okay, keeps him. By the end of the fourth year, he didn't go to ask his rabbi anything. He told the mister, four years I gave you for free, it's time to move on. He turned out. Four years he didn't pay rent. Fine. Time has passed. The man was an older person. He died. He goes to heaven. He called. Comes to heaven. He was sure he gets a ticket to heaven. He gave a guy four years free of rent. The heavenly court, the angels had a different opinion. You throw out a Jewish family with children after your rabbi told you not to do it. Hmm. You're going the other direction, going left, not right. He says, he argued, he says, listen, it's not fear. You're angels, you don't understand what's going on downstairs, the 
pool of money, how powerful money is, and how much, how painful is it not to receive, not to get the rent for so many years. I want people to judge me, people who understand what money is, what life is. You're angels, you don't understand what life is. The heavenly court says you're right. They gathered three souls of people, human beings, rabbis who were in this world in the past, and they should judge him. They judged them, he lost. He told them, no guys, it's not fair either. You were in the world 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago, you forgot what life is. You were so detached already, you forgot what the real, how hard this world is. I want people who are alive now to judge me. Hmm. Then Tzemach Tzedek looks on the crowd and says, what do you think? Who is right? They right away understood what's going on here. Tzemach Tzedek came to tell them the story because he's looking for regular human being to make the judgment. They told him, Rabbi, you say. He says, I think he's right, he's right, he's right. Hmm. And he got up and he left. Because in this world, to give four, four years rent is a lot. And eventually, he got enough of it. But that shows you that even angels cannot put themselves in the shoes of other people. Then when we have a, uh, an argument, we have to put ourselves back. Oh, I'm right. Put yourself in his shoes for five minutes. Maybe he has a point too. Maybe the other side has something to say too and at least know that you don't understand the other person. Then you only see yourself. You don't see anybody else. But in the parsha of this week, there is another way to, do, to argue. This parsha is about the splitting of the sea, right? And it's about, then there is the song of the sea. They praise God for the miracles, a beautiful song. Everybody stands up in the shul, and, 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 the, and, the, and the reader reads it with, special, with a special tune. By the, end, by the end of the song, almost by the end, there is a line there that God will bring us, bring the Jewish people to the land of Israel, and God will build the temple there, a boat for himself, a home for himself. But Rashi says, pays attention, there is written, God will build the temple with his ends, and it's written plural, with two ends, so to speak. In another place in the Bible, and it's written about God creating the world, it says God created the world with, a, with one end. Singular, with the end. Mm. Then Rashi points out, the Talmud says that the world he created with one end, the temple with two ends. Mm. Now, what is, what's the difference between one end or two ends? Go ahead. More effort. Oh, not just more effort. The Rebbe said about it. With one end, when you do with one end something, you can do another thing with the other end, right? Mm. You're not focused only on one thing. You're focused on two things. You do this with one thing, you, sh you, you, uh, you mix the, the soup in one end and you do something else with the other end. You do ten things with two ends. Something that you do with two ends means you're concentrating completely, it's very important to you and you're all the way there. Hmm. The world, you know, God does not have two ends, it doesn't have one end. Everybody understands a metaphorical concept, right. what God wants to tell us. The physical world, one end is enough. And even the end that he created the world, that's written, the earth he created with his end, and with his right end at the same time he created the heaven. It means to say heaven is spirituality. The, the physical world with the left end, the weaker end, the left end is the weaker end. Mm -hmm. hmm. Comes to the temple, the real, the place for God, 
this is doing with two ends, not with one end. What does this mean? I'll tell you an interesting thing. You know, a, when a couple gets married, the day of your wedding, the chuppe, is considered like your own personal Yom Kippur. God forgives a couple who gets married for all their sins, and they, start, they have a new start. And God gives them a new page, new start, beginning, new beginning. And therefore, on the day of the chuppe, the couple is fasting. They bite in the gum of fasting. That's why many times, every time Baruch Hu, people ask me, is he not happy? What's wrong? Why is he so serious? Is he, he, he changes his mind? He has, he has second thought? Don't understand. Everybody looks at him. He looks like he's dying. What, they're like taking, like taking him to, to, to the, the gallows. Right. <laughs> and everybody says, what's going on here? And every time, I have the, every wedding, I have the same questions. It's big because he's serious, because it's a day that God is forgiving him. It's a day of, it's a Yom Pasal, Yom Kippur. Ah, you look by Neila. You don't look so exciting. And, not to, and then the, the minche, the service before, we, before, we, before the chuppe, the minche service, you add to the amida the alchet. You know the alchet that you do in Kippur? For the sin, for the sin, for the sin. You say it on your day before you get married. Hmm. In Chabad was a custom. Then before this minche, the rabbi, you, you're going into the room outside, next to the rabbi's room, and the rabbi comes out. The Rebbe had a cedar in his possession, a cedar of his father-in-law, the previous Rebbe that he davened from it. He used to give every groom the cedar and the chosen and tell him and give him a wish, may you fulfill all your wishes. May you, may you, get, may you get all, the, all your wishes fulfilled. Hmm. What you ask from God should be fulfilled. All the good things, that's what the Rebbe said, all the good things. So when the Rebbe used to come out with this, usually the Rebbe gave out many things. You know, I'm going to give the dollars to the Rebbe. The Rebbe used to give out dollars. The Rebbe used to give out a piece of cake before Yom Kippur in wish people, uh, a sweet New Year. He used to give out wine by every holiday, like to every cup. Every time with the right hand, every time. And he used to make sure that the receiver also stretches out his, his right hand. Because you give him right, right hand is, the, is a blessing. The right the, versus the left. But when he gave the seder, I came, I was there, I received from the Rebbe the Siddur. The Rebbe came out, he gave the Siddur with his two hands. Because hmm. the Siddur of his father, it's a holy thing, he gave it with two hands, not with one hand. That's the only time that I remember the Rebbe giving something with two hands. Maybe there is other things I didn't see. Hmm. And the truth is, I was surprised because I stretched out my right hand, as, as I'm used to. And then the Rebbe, the Rebbe had his own, he was about to go to his service. Before he walked out to services, he used to give the cedar. He had his own cedar underneath his arm, and then with his other, with two hands, he's holding the cedar. Mm. That means to say, something very important is with two hands. Spirituality, something meaningful, building a home for God, that's with two hands. Anything else is with one hand. The same thing when you come to argue with people, politics, ideologies, you do it with one hand, and even with this, with the left hand, with the weaker hand, pushing <laughs> people off with the weaker hand. Don't be so strong. Bringing somebody closer to Yiddishkeit, that's you do with two hands. You know what you do with two hands? A hog. You hog a person with two hands. You hog him. You bring him closer to you. You bring out the best of him. You squeeze out the best of him. And in my spark of God, and his spark of God, together, you make a flame that brings, that creates our own for God. That's what it's all about.